What's up? I'm Amanda Costco, and you're listening to the Electric Runway Podcast, a podcast exploring the intersection of fashion and technology. Thanks so much for tuning in. Last week, we brought you inside Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia for an up-close look at what's going on in the country's capital in terms of fashion tech. You heard from Craig Arendt, a digital influencer from New York looking for the next frontier in fashion, as well as Mike Torino from UVisit, a virtual reality company establishing a niche within the fashion industry with an ambitious goal of making runway collections interactive and shoppable. You also heard from Alexander Shumsky, the man credited with pushing Fashion Week into the digital age. Shumsky is the president of the Russian Fashion Council, as well as the head of Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia. This week, we're rounding out our adventure in Moscow, taking you inside the Fashion Futurum startup show, which took place October 17th, the closing day of Fashion Week. You're listening to part two of my two-part podcast covering fashion tech at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia. The Fashion Futurum is an initiative put on by the Russian Fashion Council for advancing expertise and accelerating business in the area of fashion tech. Launched in March of this year, the Fashion Futurum is an international conference that takes place alongside Russia's Fashion Week. This spring, invited speakers such as Manufacturer New York's Dr. Amanda Parks, Eddie Mullen of Fashion GPS, and fashion designer Denit Peleg gave presentations across areas of fashion tech. This season, the Russian Fashion Council hosted a smaller event inside the Menage where the runway shows took place. Called the Fashion Futurum Startup Show, the event was more like a pitch contest than a show, as it aimed to give startups the chance to get fashion tech projects off the ground. 70 applicants submitted ideas, which were vetted and narrowed down to 12 companies. Entrepreneurs had five minutes to sell their idea to a panel of experts who rated the pitches on a set of criteria, including market research and team members. Startups were competing for a spot in one of two fashion technology accelerators in Helsinki and Milan. Ideas pitched during the five-hour fashion futurum were trying to solve problems on par with international trends, like styling and customization, although many pitches sounded like premature versions of apps and services that already exist elsewhere in the world. Dressbook, for example, pitched a try-it-before-you-buy-it model already popularized by North American subscription services such as Frank and Oak's Hunt Club. Similarly, Lookbook Official offered a platform where users can discover and create their personal style, not unlike Polyvore. Other trends were more local, like trying to integrate electronics into apparel for heating, a problem many startups in cold climates are trying to solve. One of the invited experts was Sharif Sacker, a former technology journalist turned business consultant. Sharif was invited to provide an international perspective, and I'm going to share with you his full talk from the conference because I think he does a really good job at underscoring the importance of looking at what the fashion industry truly needs when it comes to integrating technology. Right now, Sharif Sacker's talk from the Fashion Futurum show and Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia. Thank you. Hello, everybody. I'm here as a, a deliberate outsider. Uh, I'm a strategy consultant for tech startups, but I'm not from the world of fashion tech and definitely not from the world of fashion. I'm here to give you a, a talk which is in two parts. The main part is actually the lower part, uh, fashion needs tech nerds. And I'm going to present some fresh um, data from the UK, uh, uh, especially from the retail side, the biggest UK retailers, what they need from technology, the problems they're trying to solve. So I'm going to present some data there. But the first bit is much quicker. 
Technos don't need fashion. This is really just an excuse for me to show you some embarrassing photos of my friends who are tech nerds. Uh, I hope you don't mind. Some of them are scary. All right. So, yeah, it, it, laughing at them is just a bonus. I'm trying to make a serious point too, which is that there's quite a big divide between fashion and technology from my experience. Your typical tech, tech lover, engineer, techie, uh, often doesn't ever intersect with the world of fashion. They'll buy some shirts. They'll buy 10 shirts at a time. Um, then they'll just settle on that, that look again and again. And the only requirement is that the shirt should have strong buttons so that it doesn't pop when you get fatter. Uh, so imagine that these guys came and said, oh, we have an amazing idea for, uh, to disrupt female uh, re fashion retail. You're gonna be very skeptical, right? And I think uh, one of the most important things is to bring together tech people. To bring together tech people like this, another friend of mine, Karthik, together with fashion people and salespeople. And that's actually one of the key things I'm looking for from the startups today, which is that your core team has a mix of skills. Uh, you know, not just guys like this working on their own saying, oh, we have technology and we can, our technology is amazing, but pairing them together with people who understand fashion or who understand retail. So that's one thing. And I've seen a couple of startups already who have managed to uh, cross this divide. Here's another friend of mine, Anton Tarasenko based in Moscow, a very talented um, uh, computer programmer with a team. He outsources uh, tech tools to bigger companies. So far, doesn't have many projects in fashion, but he's a real resource that's here in Russia. Um, and you'll see from my slides that are coming that this is a really sought, this, this, this kind of person is very sought after by big um, fashion retailers. Um, and I think they're gonna become very expensive, but we'll get onto that. Oh, and so just to say, it's a stereotype, but some of the people I know in tech are actually quite fashionable. This is my friend Gosha, uh, and he is, uh, he's actually quite fashionable, but he's the exception that proves the rule. So these are the face of the tech nerds that I'm talking about. They exist, they don't really need fashion, they don't intersect with fashion, they, they don't struggle to get work, they, they can work in insurance, in banking, in any area that needs algorithms, that needs apps, they don't struggle. So unless um, fashion finds some way to bring them in, and, and merge them together with fashion people, it won't happen naturally. That's one reason why this event is such a good, a good idea. So I, I can tick that first bit, and we can move on to the, the more serious bit. Um, and I do think that data is really important. Um, I'm, I'm quite naturally skeptical now. Uh, I've, been, I've been a techno uh, technology journalist before being a consultant for about five, five six years. Um, and I started off very very enthusiastic about technology, that technology is going to change everything. Um, and a big part of my career as a journalist was going into um, specific areas like the iPad. Before the iPad existed, I made one out of wood and I showed it to people and said, do you want this? And everyone said, no, I want to chop vegetables on this thing. It will never replace my PC. And it was very easy for me as a journalist to go in, look at headphones and music streaming, uh, go into like counterfeiting and RFID. And it was really the same story again and again. Technology will change everything. And it was good that there were many companies that refused to believe it. And I was able to report on them as they gradually went out of business and they, they disappeared. Uh, uh, so yeah, I kept doing it. Actually, it became quite exhausting, you know, doing this again at the story in different countries with different kinds of technology. But eventually, the situation changed. Most of the people who had been resistant of technology, this is around 2010, 2011, so people were still using Nokia camera phones, you know, it's before, it's after the dot-com crash in 2000, um, and after the financial crisis in 2007, and people were still skeptical of technology. But after a while, that skepticism faded, and soon everyone was agreeing with me. 
yeah, we know. We know tech is going to change everything. Um, but tell us how, and tell us how we can survive. And that's a much trickier question. So eventually I quit being a journalist and became a strategy consultant instead. Now I've got my energy back because this is a much more real problem. How will technology change things? And the important thing here is not to start with technology, but to start with the market and understand the market's problems. And that's what I'll be looking for from the startups today. A lot of hype too. In fact, the pendulum swung too far the other way now. Um, there's just a lot of hype. Sometimes the hype around fashion tech is quite harmless. It's quite fun. Like there was this uh, big exhibition, Manus Ex Machina in New York about the, the relationship between handmade fashion and machine-made fashion, uh, sponsored by Apple, which of course is trying to sell its expensive watches. It's harmless to have this kind of stuff. Uh, a famous Chanel dress here with a kind of pixelated pattern. You know, it's nice, it's art, uh, 3D printed stuff. I'm sure that this is, it's very nice to look at. I'm not sure how meaningful it is if you want to invest in a business that's gonna grow quickly and give you your money back, but it's harmless. Sometimes though, the hype is harmful, and I'm especially skeptical now of uh, e-commerce, because a lot of money has been lost by investors in the e-commerce sphere, just because it's a ship which has already sailed. Um, and many of the biggest names in, in, in fashion retail are already plowing millions of pounds into their e-commerce solutions. They have been for a while. So when a new player comes along, like this is the Guild Group, um, it raised $300 million of investment. At its peak, it was valued at a billion dollars, uh, and eventually it was sold at a loss to uh, Saks on uh, Fifth Avenue. So it was, uh, the people lost money. Put, people that put, it, put money in lost it. I'm not saying it's a terrible business, it still exists, valued at a quarter of a million dollars, I think, when it was sold. But it just goes to show, don't believe the hype. Oh, by the way, many businesses are succeeding fine with minimal e-commerce. Uh, uh, if we're thinking about the pace of fashion, uh, just to go back, Guild Group is a flash sale company. So it's all about speed. We will give you very high discounts on top brands, but it will be gone tomorrow. So it's flash sales, and it's something you can really only deliver over e-commerce, you would have thought, and that's why people have invested in it. But actually, it's the traditional players which d dominate. Uh, TJX, the parent company of TJ Maxx, and TK Maxx in, in, in Europe, they are the masters of quick turnaround discount fashion. Um, they, they get items in uh, straight from suppliers, straight onto the shop floor, and they turn that stock around much quicker than your average retailer. And they do it, e-commerce is just an additional part of their business. This is traditional stores growing year on year, becoming very consistently profitable over 40 years. When these guys start investing in e-commerce, that's when I get worried. I don't wanna be fighting against them. I, I mean, You'll, it's a sure way to die. So I'm looking for ways to, especially B2B solutions, where instead of fighting, you offer technology solutions to these guys to try and solve their problems. So then the question is, what are their problems? Forget technology for, for a while. Let's look at some evidence of what are the uh, big trends in fashion retail. And this is all from the UK. Um, this is unpublished data. I'm very grateful to my friends at OCNC Strategy Consultants. They have allowed me to use this before it was uh, uh, distributed anywhere. Um, they interviewed the leaders of 50 top fashion retailers in the UK, representing 20 billion pounds sterling of revenue. That's half of the entire fashion industry in the UK. They, uh, the retailers um, employ 80% of all people in fashion in the UK. So these are the guys with the money. These are the, the established forces in the market. We should be very interested in what they need, the problems that they face. There are, five, there are five conclusions which I'll go through quite quickly from this study. The first is that fashion is getting faster, and I think we know this, but what does it mean in terms of what uh, the retailers need? 
it means that the biggest area where they need people over the next, they were asked about the year gone, so 2015 to 2016, and also for the next four years up to 2020. The biggest area where they need people is supply chain management, that constant churn of stock, of supply. And I think that is a, a, a clue for a tech startup. If you can find a way to reduce the number of people that they need to employ in supply chain management, if your technology solves that problem for one of these guys, then I, I would find that quite interesting. I'd say that's a good value proposition because of course they want to stay lean. A second one there is analytics, which I'll come to. That's my second point. The second point from this uh, study was that a huge trend for these retailers is the replacing the traditional way of making decisions, which would be based on experience. Experienced people using gut instinct and knowledge to decide what kind of fashion to put on, for example. But now you can have a 23-year-old um, uh, woman sitting at a computer looking at sophisticated customer behavior data that's coming in and making much better decisions than someone with experience. At least that's the belief of the retailers because this is actually the area where they see some of the biggest need for training of their staff. 77% of all respondents said they need to increase training for analytical skills. That's far more than, for example, uh, business skills or technical skills even. So I'd say again, if you're, if you're a B2B fashion tech startup and you're solving something to do with analytics, to do with big data, as actually a couple of the uh, startups we've seen already have been tackling, I would say that puts you in a strong position. If you want your tech to be helpful to these, to these rich people, then you should help them to become more social. This is where they're investing heavily. The percentage of retail, retailers who believe that the following trends will significantly change how they operate. 87%, the largest amount, said it was the rise of social media that will change the way they operate. Um, young people show an appetite now to buy directly from Instagram, for example. That actually skips the whole e-commerce website thing completely. That ship has sailed. Um, versus you know, a smaller number that talk about the rise of online. I think that the rise of online, only 79% are worried about it because they're already dealing with that problem and they have been for a while. So if you're working on a, on a, on a fashion tech startup and you can help with social media, with engagement, that puts you in a good place. Uh, just to put to put some detail, oh God, it's quite hard to see this. So, just to put some detail onto this, so the kinds of jobs we've been talking about so far are vlog curator and blogosphere manager um, on the social side, and then on the analytics side, data scientist and algorithm builder. So, these are the kinds of job titles that these guys think they're going to need. Um, and if you can supply again, so they don't, they don't have to recruit so many people or train so hard in these areas, that would be good. Increasingly global. I mean, this sounds kind of obvious. Um, both the supply of, of materials, raw materials and of, of clothing, and then the sale of it is becoming ever more globally distributed. So some of the big, in, in the UK, the biggest suppliers of, of clothing, importers of clothing with India and China, they're actually growing very slowly now. It's Vietnam, Vietnam Sri Lanka, Bangladesh. They're growing, Cambodia, growing much faster, which means that uh, fashion companies have to have staff distributed in many more uh, countries. So if you have a technology that somehow allows a fashion company to have its team fragmented this way but still operate well, I don't know what that would look like exactly. I could imagine that it would be, for example, a way to transfer designs, just to transfer requests, buy me something or make me something that looks like this. What does it look like? Well, you need some way to show that visually to someone who you shouldn't have to travel. Incidentally, that shop I showed, uh, TK Maxx, the biggest reason why buyers leave is because they're exhausted by the travel of trying to source, they get catching flights all the time, trying to source fashion is what, they can't bear it. So any technology that reduces the cost of, of having an international 
presence is likely to be helpful. And then lastly, a, a key conclusion of this study is that these good tech people will become ever harder to find. And that is because if you ask a, a major retailer in the UK, what is the biggest challenge that you see in terms of skills? So not how many people you need or, or how hard you have to train them. It might be quite easy to recruit in certain areas. It might be quite easy to train in certain areas. But the area where it's clearly difficult is technical and IT skills. These big fashion retailers who have a lot of money to spend, they want tech nerds. And if, if they're not used in local companies and local startups and the kind of startups that are being shown here, then they will be poached by the big retailers. Um, and that would be quite sad because sometimes it's a much better way to keep value inside a country is to sell a ready-made product rather than have your, your best uh, tech people taken away. So I bring back, when I talk about those people, these are the kinds of guys that we need to find a way to bring in here and pair up with people on the fashion side uh, and on the sales side. And when you do make that relationship, it is all about coming together, not staying separate, uh, fashion people talking about fashion and tech people talking about tech and thinking that tech is everything. Come together, don't stay separate. Uh, learn to speak each other's languages and priorities. You know, that's happening in some of the startups I've seen already here. Hack prototypes and test them for free. You know, don't, in the startups I work with, we often just give the product free early on and just say, we, the payment will be your feedback and we'll take your feedback seriously. You need to embed yourself with the customer. And then, for, and then this is the key thing, focus on tech that solves the big problems. We've seen four big problems here. Fashion is getting faster, more data-driven, more social, and more global. So if your tech solves one of those problems, that's much better than solving some small problem that no one is really even complaining about. And that's the end of my talk. Thank you very much. You were just listening to Sharif Sacker's talk from the startup show at Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia. We're going to hear a bit more from Sharif later, but I want to finish up taking you inside the startup show to meet a few of the companies and entrepreneurs I met along the way. One of the startups that caught my attention was Zebra Wearables. I'd first heard about Zebra during my fashion tech research trip to Europe. Boris Galkin was one of the startups to pitch at the Fashion Futurum, and although he didn't win, his vision for the future of wearables and content on the body was compelling. So Boris, what's your vision of the future for wearable content on the body? Uh, hi, Amanda. Uh, thanks, uh, thanks for inviting me here. Uh, we believe that electronics, which is evolving now, these new types of electronic components, which are like thin, flexible, robust, uh, very light uh, energy consumption, uh, they bring a new sort of universe for the whole range of applications, starting from textile, clothing, interior of the house, cars and all the types of application we are, we are you know kind of like get used to as a traditional ones but later on all sort of like sensors displays various like uh, logic pieces and uh, RFID will actually transform these uh, old applications into completely new ones so if we talk about like apparel if we talk about clothing you can have uh, the t-shirt for example which is uh, instead of your smartwatch actually uh, you know like analyzes your body in terms of what is your energy consumption uh, what is your pulse what other you know like f factors which needs to be uh, tracked for example for sport for healthcare for uh, industrial use and uh, combined with various for example this like ex exoskeletons you know when, when you can uh, make something which can you know like uh, make your body uh, feel better 
and if you for example like an industrial worker and you work for you know like uh, eight hours in a row you need to uh, protect your your back back your, your legs and this like um, exoskeletons type of you know like uh, application is actually evolving also uh, pretty, pretty fast so we're really excited about that so you're actually talking about a whole new relationship with our clothing in ways that can help us in ways that can advance us do you think that russia is ready for this or what's your impression because you're from berlin yes well, I'm originally from Moscow, but okay. I spent uh, quite a lot of time in Berlin. And, uh, well, I think, you know, like Russia is changing a lot. And I think our, you know, like top guys understand that oil and gas era is kind of like over. And it's inevitable to change to a new sort of, uh, you know, like setup for, for the whole industry, for the whole, you know, like econo economics and, you know, this, this kind of life. So I do believe that Moscow is ready. Definitely Troyetsk is ready where, where, where I'm from and we build our facility in Troyetsk, which is just like 20 kilometers from Moscow. It's kind of like new Moscow, as, as, as it's called. And, well, I do believe that a lot of changes are coming. And since we actually create this new type of electronics here in Moscow, we create the manufacturing facility for that. I do believe that uh, in five years, Moscow will be completely different in the way of, not actually, not, not even Moscow, I'm, 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 I think it's, it's not the right way. I think the whole world will, will be changed and we believe that we will be part of the, you know, like global supply chain for this particular type of components of new electronics. Well, I look forward to it. I'm really excited to get my own hat that can display messages. <laughs> All right, the first one will get to you. <laughs> Great, thank you. Thank you. That was my conversation with Boris Galkin of Zebra Wearables. One of the winners of the startup show was Suit App. Made by Russian developers, Suit App aspires to be a virtual fitting room that cooperates with retailers to allow customers to try on clothes via an avatar using exact physique parameters. After the startup show, I had the chance to have a brief conversation with Elena Chuko, who will be going on to develop her app at the Accelerator in Milan. So Elena, for people who don't know, tell us what SuitUp is. So SuitUp uh, is mobile app. Now uh, it's mobile app for iOS only. And we help people to match clothes in appropriate way uh, so they can buy uh, appropriate outfits for different occasions. And these outfits provided by uh, real stylists and by artificial intelligence. Um, it's complicated algorithms that we, uh, we developed by ourselves. So you're combining fashion and technology to make people more stylish, essentially. Yes, uh, yes, I hope so. And uh, it's really, it sounds um, easy like this fashion app but it's really complicated app with uh, tons of codes uh, inside and uh, with uh, 20 real stylists all over the world. Do you think style can really be quantified or do you think that it still needs a little bit of a personal touch? Of course it's everything about personal but there are some rules uh, and yeah, I think it's combination. When you know uh, the main rules, you can add a pinch of uh, your personality in your style. Yeah. Well, congratulations on winning the pitch and have fun in Milan. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for sticking with us so far. We know it's a longer episode than usual. Two more people that I want you to hear from. One of the experts who helped select Suit App is Juicy Canon, the managing director for the Fashion Technology Accelerator in Milan. After the startup show, I wanted to get her sense of what she thought about fashion tech in Russia. Juicy, you are the managing director of the Fashion Technology Accelerator. Based on the startup presentations you saw today, what do you think about fashion tech in Russia? 
Yeah, I think there is a lot of potential. We are seeing some trends which are more international, such as customization, for instance, analytics, uh, but also some more local trends, which is more, of course, in uh, for uh, heating clothes, uh, where Russia usually, I mean, can be a very interesting market. Uh, but I think there is a lot of potential, uh, some very good technology project. So I'm uh, curious to uh, see the development that we will have if they will become international companies. But yeah, it's a very important initiative today. So I'm happy to be here. Great. And did you help pick the winner that they selected? Yes, we selected SweetUp. Uh, and the company will come to Milan for one week. We have these training programs where we uh, provide some contents about business, uh, technology, and uh, fashion with also some uh, introduction with the fashion uh, Milan fashion scene. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was my conversation with Juicy Kanan, the Managing Director of the Fashion Technology Accelerator in Milan. Finally, after the Fashion Futurum came to a close, I wanted to know what Sharif Sakar, who you heard from earlier, thought about fashion tech in Russia as well. Here's my brief interview with him. So, Sharif, yes. you are a technology consultant, former journalist. That's right. Based on the fashion tech startup presentations that you saw today, what do you think about fashion tech in Russia? I think it's moving in the right direction. This is an amazing event just to get things started, but it is still in its infancy. Um, there's a lot of uh, blue sky ideas, and there's a lot of attempts to be disruptive and, and be global and just do everything all at once, which is great. It's good energy. Sometimes comes across a, a bit naive, but then again, there's been some startups here that are extremely realistic, focusing on solving the biggest problems faced by the biggest fashion retailers, for example, which is a good start for a business. So there's a, a broad mix, but I'm, I'm always for the more realistic ideas. You talked about how there needs to be more of a focus on the back end of business, so solving those problems that retailers are actually facing rather than consumer-facing products. Yes. Can yes. you elaborate on that a little bit? It just Some of the biggest successes I've had with startups have been supplying technology to very successful companies. You, you want your customer to be growing, to be successful, to have money to spend on technology. Um, initially, they may license a tool that you build that helps them. Eventually, they might just might just buy you, buy your startup to give them competitive advantage. And that's an area where I see big success, um, especially with things like big data, data on customer behavior, for example. This is a kind of area where a startup can start with very little, access huge pools of data, which are often made freely available by governments, or you can pay a little bit of money for huge amounts of data. And if you can use that data intelligently, you can become rich with data very quickly. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. We'll see you next season. My pleasure. While the startup fashion scene in Russia may be young, establishing ties with the global fashion tech community is necessary not only for its growth, but also its survival. While Russia may not be known for its strong international relations, the fashion industry is finding a new way forward. That concludes part two of my two-part Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week Russia recap podcast. You can check out my article on how Russia is vying for a leadership role on the global fashion tech scene in Women's Wear Daily, as well as stay tuned to Electric Runway's YouTube channel for a video recap of the event. As always, you can follow all of our fashion tech adventures on Twitter and Instagram at electric underscore runway. We'll be in Montreal next for Mutech. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time, here's looking towards the future. Music from today's episode by Andrew Applepie.